Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 189. Guys, like I told you, I'm, I'm going to try and go every day here, do everything I can. Look, it's madness right now. It's chaos. It's craziness. But that's what it's about. This is what leads up to 20 days before the NFL draft. Uh, obviously, news of the day, Cleveland Brown-wise, uh, you know, good move. Uh, look, Kevin Hogan was not going to be a part of the future here anymore. We're able to move him on to a place. Look, Kevin gets a little you know, closer to home. Uh, you were able to move up, you know, uh, I think it's 17 spots to pick 188 in the sixth round. So now, you know, nine draft picks in the top 188. Kind of like it. I still think some of those day three picks could be bargaining chips if they choose to move around. But, uh, look, you know, obviously all the uh, signs are pointing to, we know it's going to happen at one. It's a question of just what the name is. We may know that. But joining you here this evening, uh, you know, from, and uh, you know, covers the NFL Draft for SB Nation, the Twitter handle of at Mocking the Draft, Mr. Dan Kadar. Dan, I appreciate you making some time uh, for us here this evening. Sure, thanks for having me. Dan, what I like to do with everybody when they first come on here, if it, you know, during the draft process, is look, we with every draft class, and you know, everybody, whether it's you know they love a draft class or they want to knock it, you know, some people are a little down on this class. It's kind of hard to do that when it's a quarterback-heavy class. But give me some Dan Kadar guys. Who are you some favorites in this class? Well, whenever someone asks me the who are my guys types, I always try and go beyond you know the top one hundred. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm actually doing a thing at SB Nation. We have you know all these 32 team sites, and a bunch of them have their own draft guys, and I'm going to have them hopefully submit their own versions. But um, you know, if you would have asked me this during the season, I would have said like Will Hernandez, for instance, the UTEP guard who Mm -hmm. is phenomenal, just a killer, and anybody who likes old school football. You know, he, he's the guy for you. I would have said him, but now he's like this first-round player. So, <laughs> you know, if you look past the first round, there, there's a few guys I really like. And like I said before we recorded, if we would have done this last week, I would have said Nick Nelson, the cornerback from Wisconsin. But fortunately, he tore his meniscus working out, I think, for the Lions. But he's a heck of a player. And, you know, he'll probably, I, I would imagine he'll have to sit out the year. He'll get drafted at some point, but now it's going to be super late. But, you know, I, I like him. He's a ball hockey type of corner who's, who's really aggressive. And hopefully you can still play him on, on return duty and stuff like that. But he's good. Um, I like Nick DeLuca, a linebacker from North Dakota State, who is a, you know, he's really aggressive. And I, I think if he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year, I think he's a he's a higher pick than what he will end up being. But I think he's an NFL player. I, I'm really intrigued by Michael Joseph, another cornerback. Yeah. He played at Dubuque. If anybody watched the Senior Bowl, he did some good stuff there. I, I'm a fan of him. I, I think he's a guy you might put a year on a practice squad and and see where you're at with his development after that. But he, he's got all the physical traits that make you think, boy, you know, if we can develop him, we have an outside corner who, you know, has some decent hands, good athleticism, length, the whole the whole deal. Um, I really like Dimitri Flowers, a fullback from Oklahoma, believe it or of not. Course. I, like, I, I like a fullback. You know, everyone, everyone loves Jalen Samuels at this point from North Carolina State, and and they should. He's really good. I have him rated as, I think, the number 63 or 64 player overall in the draft this year. But, 
I like Dimitri Flowers for a lot of the same reasons. He's not quite the outside receiving threat that Samuels is, but he's really good. Put him at fullback. He can come out of the backfield as an H-back. You can hand it off to him a little bit. As, as you know, like a late day three guy, I, I think he's a roster player. I think he's good. And I guess the other kind of guy that I've really kind of started to like here is Jordan Lasley, the wide receiver from UCLA. And, you know, it, it's funny with wide receivers, you know, it's such a grab bag of some guys are slot guys, some guys are outside guys, whatever. You know, so every, everybody kind of has their own wide receiver, basically. But I, I like Lasley because he's just this football rat. And, you know, I, I kind of got to interview him one-on-one at the Combine this year. And it was really cool because I, I went in just wanting to talk Josh Rosen, quite frankly. But Jordan Lasley and I ended up breaking down football, like, play-by-play. Play, and he's super smart, super aware. He has some hand problems, you know, catching the ball. He knows it, and he's working on it. But he's a guy that, that I really believe in, and he really gets it. So those are kind of some of my quote-unquote guys. Yeah, no, lastly, I'm actually a big fan of, uh, look, if you're the team that's going to invest heavy as Josh Rosen is your guy, do yourself a favor and find a spot where you bring him in, somebody he's comfortable with. We talked too many times about with quarterbacks, you know, when they struggle, when they're young, you know, you know, you hear in the offseason, well, we sat down with him and we tried to find out what he was comfortable with. We looked at some of his college tape. Find him a guy. Find him a guy that he's already comfortable with. And, sure. you know, it can kind of work that way. So, I mean, that would be a great package deal. Flowers, it, it, you know, he was a guy just kind of understood. Like, he, I mean, the Rose, Dole, the Rose Bowl touchdown reception, like, you could see the way he was able to read Baker Mayfield and feel where the soft spot was was able to gravitate to it. You know, Baker actually, you know, a little slide roll to the left, you know, to buy the time. Flowers knew the spot he needed to be in. You know, probably could do some H-back type of stuff. And, look, there's still some teams in the NFL that, you know, you need some type of guy. You don't want to be always bringing in a D-tackle to block for your goal line running back. Flowers can handle that type of duty. But those are some fun guys. And it's funny that you brought up a guy like Will Hernandez like you did. Uh, look, I'm going to ride and die with Alden Tate. Uh, I'm probably there <clears> with this flag. And I had it a lot higher. He didn't test the way he did. But I think when, you know, with the size he has, and look, he's not very fast, but he's got something that you can't teach at six foot five. He's got the long arms. He's got the big hands. And if he's going vertical, it's, it's going to be really difficult for any one guy to cover him. So he's kind of like my reverse Will Hernandez, a guy I had high, but now he's going to have to go a little lower. But look, man, once you plant a flag, you got to stick with your flag, Dan, you know? Oh, sure. And, you know, Tate's interesting in the fact that you know, if you're one of these teams that runs a lot of smaller wideouts, and, you know, it's understandable why teams like to go with guys who are like 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, that kind of range. Once you get down in the red zone, though, sometimes those guys can get neutralized. If you have a if you have an Auden Tate who can be, say, your number four wideout, which I think is valuable in the NFL as a, as a number four, maybe red zone specialist type, you know, if you don't want to take Alan Lazard, for instance, of Iowa State, and you go for Tate instead, you know, a round or two later, you got a guy that can just eat touchdowns. He's going to be a fantasy football favorite, probably, for that reason. And he'll be that lovely bye week fill-in. Sure. Fill 
Uh, mm -hmm. Guys, if you're uh, if you're listening through the Megaphone app, guys, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, go ahead, please subscribe. Make sure you you know you you know you got the show that way. Any reviews, five star preferably, but I appreciate you guys all for that. Uh, Dan, everybody on here, obviously, you know, look, we know where Cleveland is headed with pick one. Uh, I love the fact that they are doing absolute due diligence with this, and they are going to look at every quarterback possible for what they're doing. But make your case, Dan. Who's the guy here at one for Cleveland? Well, I, I will just say first, I, I love that they're doing their due diligence. Like, they're, they're even bringing Lamar Jackson to Berea, which is great because, you know, a few years ago they took Justin Gilbert at eight overall on a whim, basically. So I, I'm glad to see there's kind of this shift now to actual actual evaluation. I mean, this is That's not some Sashi Brown dig, by the way, because it seems like any time you praise this current regime people think you're slamming sashi brown that has nothing to do with sashi brown but i i just like that they're putting in the work on like you know when mike Pettin was here for instance um but anyway this whole time i've been a josh rosen guy i i think the browns are going to take sam darnold which i'm fine with but i like rosen a lot uh, I'm, with, I'm with you with that stance but go ahead yeah, I, I just think he's the best quarterback in the draft, and I, I know he's kind of a, the classic statuesque pocket guy, and he does have some problems when he gets pressured, especially straight up the middle, but the, the way he attacks the center of the field, the way he can throw his receivers open, which I think is a trait that is far too overlooked when you're evaluating quarterbacks, I think he's the best in that regard. I think his I think his arm's fine. Mentally, I have zero questions about him. Off the field, I have zero questions about him. I think there. You wonder if he gets knocked around a little bit, if he's going to hold up. But you know, I I could see him being a guy who bulks up for a year, and then then really gets cranking here. But I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I like him a lot. I, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. I think I have him rated. Number six overall, and then I have Mayfield, and then I have Darnold. And they're all top ten guys for me, but that, that's the order I have them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Cleveland, though, it, it, it's it, it's the fit thing. And the guy you, you need to sell. And I, I think Sam walks in, and Sam's not going to look around the fact that it's 1-31. And, and, like, you know, everybody, we, we kind of kid, you know, that Josh Rogen, Josh Rosen is this, you know, uber-intelligent kid, which is fantastic. But it, like I kind of like almost picture him sitting down with Hugh Jackson, and Hugh Jackson, kind of like, well, you know, I need to know if you're the right guy for me. And you know, Josh Rosen with his you know vast intelligence, being, well, what you need one win every two years. I, I <laughs> guess I, you still got your job. I, I guess I can probably supply that for you. I mean, you know, obviously, there's no saying this, but you know, Sam's the guy who walks in. He says everything right. He does everything right. Um, you know. It, it, for me, it probably solidified it even more from the fact that he made sure he got back to L.A. yesterday to help out Ronald Jones, to help out Burnett. Like th that's what you're looking for here. I mean, you know, there's, it, there's there's a lot of good in this roster right now. It needs to be the right guy at quarterback, the guy who's going to fit in with everybody. And Sam's definitely going to put team, you know, team first, and he's going to be a part of what this team does. He's not going to be the quarterback of this team per se. He's going to be the guy who plays quarterback for this team. So I, I can understand why a lot of it seems to be pointing to Sam. Uh, Dan, I give the option here to you know go for a positional group. Um, actually glad you picked this one. Uh, I, 
I think it's underemphasized because uh, a lot of people, you know, they wanted to get on Greg and, and the way the coverage was and this, that, and the other thing. And it's fantastic that Miles Garrett was drafted one overall. I have no problem with Miles Garrett game. Uh, the defensive line, yes, it's strong in the run, but you got to find a way to get some guys to get home here. And you know, your coverage is probably only as good as your pass rush. You know, you kind of need it to work back and forth. So you know, give me a couple edge guys here. That maybe us Brown, you know, some Browns guys that you know fans should be looking for, or you know, have a head on a swivel. I mean, it's not a deep group, but there is some value to this group. Well, I, I mean, talking about the Browns specifically, you have to start with Bradley Chubb, and that—that's the luxury that the Browns have. Of hey, we we can consider the best defensive lineman in this draft, and that—that's obviously Chubb, who's just, you know, he's not a super quick, classic edge bending pass rusher but boy he's solid he's so solid and almost no flaws other than the lack of elite elite quickness and he's great uh, I, I think he would be fine at four and I think that pick should be down to Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley but you know let's say the Browns don't use four on on Chubb then you're, you're kind of talking about guys like you consider Sam Hubbard of Ohio State, who is a, you know, again, not a superstar edge bender, but he's just super solid all around. And, you know, if you pair him with Emmanuel Agua, who I like a lot, absolutely, uh, I, I, think you have a, I think you have a nice pairing there. You know, later in the draft, I think you're, it, it's, it's a gamble, really, but that, that's what I like about this class is the upside of these guys is huge. Like, Uchenna and Wosu is a is a really good player. I think a lot of people think he's only a three four player, but you know he he played down some at USC, and I think he can do the job. You know I, I like his teammate Rasheen Green a little bit too because he's this guy who you know the, all this talk about Bradley Chubb is hey what if we have Bradley Chubb and Miles Garrett on the outside and Ogba on the inside or you put Garrett on the inside. Same thing with Rasheem Green, who has experience working inside at USC. I think the three of those guys, if they're on the field at the same time, you, you've got a really great, great pass rush group. Um, so he's, he's good. You can gamble on guys like Arden Key of LSU or Lorenzo Carter of Georgia, Kamoko Ture, these mm-hmm. you know, super long, freaky athletes who... You know, have have been really inconsistent, but if you coach them up right, if you get a hundred percent out of them, man, all three of those guys can be real good. So, you know, what I like about this edge class is it, it's super high upside, and obviously, you know, some of these players can just blow up in your face. But the the upside, like Josh Sweat, even of Florida State, yep, super high upside, crazy athlete, crazy length. Can he stay healthy? He stay consistent, you know that kind of stuff. But it's a it's a fascinating group of edge players this year. Well, and the other thing is, is you're kind of looking at them as you know they're going to be you know whether it's you know second fiddle, third fiddle, and you know mm-hmm. so it's a lot easier. Um, and I, I know it's kind of actually kind of funny. Owosu, like you mentioned, uh, Justice Justice Makeda put up and he put up uh, Khalil Mack size, weight, testing numbers, and put up Owosu's. And there was literally like almost zero difference. Uh, yep. He's a guy who hadn't gotten talked about much. Look, uh, USC is you know not talked about in circles like they you know they were in the past. But you know, athletically testing numbers, you know, fantastic. 
I'm not going to lie, Harold Landry, if we're looking for a guy that can just rush the passer, and he probably comes into a scenario where if you move full pick four, you know, maybe he's a guy that you look into, but uh, you know, the 16 tape for Howard Landry for me is you know, a fantastic player. Then we have an absolute wild card in this class with a guy like Duke Edgia 4, who we have zero testing numbers on. And you know, look, it stinks for these guys that we can't get what we need from them. But you know, you know, solid player at Wake Forest. You know, obviously the ACC has not been hurting as far as overall talent. You know, from top to bottom the last few years. So you know, he's another interesting guy as well. Lorenzo Carter, like you, who you mentioned, now here's a guy who's just an absolute ridiculous athlete, length, uh, whether, can he put it all together? And you never know, though. I mean, working with a Miles Garrett, who's now already got the, you know, mentality of, you know, where Joe Thomas helped him, look, you know, anything I can pass on anybody else that comes in, kind of what you're looking for, but it's an interesting group. I, I think it's a lot of upside, like you said. But, you know, the question is to find the right guy who's going to do everything that it needs to be done to hopefully achieve that upside. And, you know, you know that's what the brass has got to do. That's where they got to put the work in. Uh, guys, uh, you know, look, locked on Cavs. Uh, look, guys, Celtics, what's happened? Uh, it's made an easier path, hopefully, for the Cavaliers to the Eastern Conference Finals for all you Cavs fans. Chris Manning, locked on Cavaliers. He does a fantastic job. If you guys aren't following the show or listening to it, make sure you correct that now. Now, Dan, this is one that I've kind of, it's kind of usually hard to do when you, it's not the Browns, because nobody has this type of draft capital, and I love that everybody's going back and looking at, you know, Green Bay past drafts, and looking at John Dorsey past drafts with the Chiefs, and trying to say, well, this is the way they draft, this is the way they draft, and this is what they prefer, but a lot of it is never factored into the fact that any one of those teams had five picks in the top 64. So it's kind of hard to play the tendency game when you have crazy capital like this. Obviously, you know, you've made your point that, you know, and I agree with it, if I was holding the card at number one, Josh Rosen, he would have come in, he wouldn't have left today. Josh Rosen would have come in today, I would have said, look, go find yourself a nice place to live. 20 days, come on home. This is where you're going to be for a while. But picks four, 33, 35, 64. What do you think is the best bang for the buck you can get here, Dan? Yeah, well, I, I put together a little bit of a, a mock here of the first five picks, and it, it's going to go against a little bit what we've been talking about, about taking Bradley Chubb at four. Now, if it's me, if I'm John Dorsey, I'm going to go with Josh Rosen at one, but I think it's fine if they go Sam Darnold. At four, I go Saquon Barkley, even though they, they brought in Carlos Hyde. I just think Barkley is a, a guy that can get you wins uh, next season, much more so than, than Chubb, just because, to me, Chubb is a, a number two guy to, to Miles Garrett's number one, and which, by the way, I think Miles Garrett is, is a much better prospect than Bradley Chubb was. It's not negative it's about Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Miles Garrett's just a, a freaky weirdo. Um, <laughs> he is literally the dinosaur. Yeah. At 33, I think that's where you look at an offensive tackle, whether that's Connor Williams of, of Texas, where if you bring him in, you hope you're getting the 2016 version and go from there. If not, maybe you look at Colton Miller of UCLA or even Brian O'Neill of Pitt. Um, but I, I think you have to come out of the first two rounds of the left tackle here. At 35, I think that's where you look at another wide receiver because... You know, Jarvis Landry is pretty... I like Jarvis Landry more than probably some of the people who listen to this show do. 
um, Pete Smith. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually with Pete here because the thing is, yeah. what makes Jarvis great doesn't translate to winning football. Right. High volume guy, and but if all goes well, he's maybe the fourth receiving option, fifth receiving option if yeah. everything goes the way this team wants. And and it's weird because you never know, Jarvis Landry. It could be a one-year stint in Cleveland. It really could. It, it could be, but then, you know, with that in mind, though, you have no idea what's going to happen with Josh Gordon, who oh, yeah. you, you yeah. absolutely cannot assume anything about. And Corey Coleman, you know, he might break his hand for the third year in a row. But They both need insurance policies. One, obviously, yeah. for George Gordon, and obviously Corey Coleman for his injuries. You know, the, you, you had a double up here. Yep. Right. So... With that in mind, at 35, I'm, I'm going to go with Equiminius St. Brown as the Josh Gordon insurance type of player. Equinimius, excuse me. Um, he, he's good. And, look, we know how bad Deshaun Kaiser was. Deshaun Kaiser was his quarterback in Notre Dame. So um, I, I think he's super talented, and I think he's going to fall into this range. And, you know, 64, I, I think, is interesting. It, if you do go quarterback, running back, left tackle, wide receiver, or you mix in Chubb at, at four instead of a running back, and you say you put in a running back instead of uh, Equinemius St. Brown, or you know something along those lines, what do you do at 64, in other words? Do you go with a cornerback? Do you go with the defensive tackle? I, I think those two are positions that this team needs to look at and for me, I think the value is going to be in cornerback in the back half of the second round, just because it's a deep group at the top, super deep, and the the interior defensive line group, you know, Vita Vea, Deron Payne, Maurice Hurst, I think those guys are Browns trade back off a of four, who you start talking about. But if they stick at four, you know, Harrison Phillips might be there at the top second. I think he'll be there at the end of the second. Same with Taven and Brian of Florida, who I think could be his draft range kind of starts at 19 and then you work back from there. And then the, there's all these other guys who I just don't think are worth high to late second round picks. Well, second round picks period, I guess you would say. So I'm punting on defensive tackle in the second round. And instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say cornerback there because I'm going to go with Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, who he may have been a one-year player, but they just had three players drafted off that secondary. I think he's really good. I think Jamar Taylor is pretty shaky, to be quite honest with you. I'm still not sure Jamar Taylor's safe here. Me neither. I love the Travis Terry move. EJ Gaines is a one-year player who's trying to get a big contract. I, I really like Isaiah Oliver. I think he has NFL size. He's an outside player. I think he can be really good in the NFL. So that that's who I'm going with. So to recap, Rosen, Barkley, Connor Williams, Equinemius St. Brown, Isaiah Oliver. It's an interesting group. Uh, I, Isaiah Oliver has definitely been up before, uh, you know, brought up before. Uh, hmm. you you got to like the length. The yep. length there is something you're looking for because, look, you know, even if he isn't a world-class athlete, you know, it's okay because he can make up for it in other ways. Uh, I think the cornerback group, look, I, I mean, if you can move out of four, look, I mean, uh, Jairi Alexander is just a guy I love, but I think that's also because that's a guy that a fan base is going to fall in love with because sure. he talks. And, they, you know, look, there's guy, look, there's guys on defense. Look, not everybody likes to trash talk, not, but you need guys on defense who like to. 
and I think a guy like Jairi brings that and I think it'd make for some really, really fun Sundays with Antonio Brown. Even if he got handed his lunch, you're not going to stop Jairi from talking. It's just not the type of guy he is. He's not wired that way. So, but a guy like that, but then you get into these second round guys and, you know, I wish Carlton Davis had tested a little better because I think a guy like him kind of fits the bill. But you get in a tough spot too. You know, are you drafting guys to fit Greg Williams' defense when you realize that it could be a whole new coaching regime going into the 2019 season? So do you just draft the best players available or do you draft the guys that fit what you're doing? It's a tough spot and I think the way Dorsey's going to play it is they're going to draft the best football players in their opinion, not necessarily what fits what they want to do currently. Yeah, I agree absolutely. And that's going to be kind of telling, I think, if you if the Browns just take all these players that kind of go against what fits on that side of the football, what it what it might tell you about what John Dorsey thinks of his coaching staff. I think John understands it was just part of the gig, and you know, look, you know, hopefully somewhere through the lines, Mr. Haslam kind of understands. Just let football guys be football guys, and look, just be the fan of your team. That's fine. You own it. It's your product. But the best part is, if you have the product, you want wins. <laughs> you, you know, you, you want people showing you smiling, you know, kissing, kissing granddaughters, hugging people. You know, not just you know, I want this product to be mine, and I don't care what at the end result is. Uh, Dan, now I know like me, you like me, and look, uh, I know you guys are doing the, uh, you're doing it with a bunch of other great you know draft writers. You guys are doing uh, you know your mock on Twitter here, your team builder mocks. Uh, the team name I love, the fighting Randy Savages. Um, <laughs> so look, Sunday, WrestleMania, and look, this is why I'm so thankful for April. Baseball back, it gives a break from the dr draft talk. It makes the time go faster. And, you know, my favorite, you know, my second favorite Sunday of the year besides Super Bowl Sunday, this Sunday, WrestleMania Sunday. Damn, favorite WrestleMania match ever. Well, I, I'm secretly a wrestling honk because it's just a thing that you can turn on and kind of shut your brain down um, exactly. every Monday night or whatever. But I, I go back to Bret Hart and Steve Austin, which, you know, when I when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So I, I always watched wrestling pay-per-views on scrambled pay-per-view. And <laughs> WrestleMania, <laughs> WrestleMania 13 was the first one that I actually watched unscrambled, and that had the classic with Bret Hart and Steve Austin, where Steve Austin was the bad guy, Bret Hart was the good guy, and by the end of the match, it was flipped, and Steve Austin, at the end of it, he was just gushing blood, and young Dan just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So that that's probably number one for me. Um, I am... I'm a huge fan of the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels matches that were yep. a few years ago. And, you know, Brian Danielson is probably my all-time favorite pro wrestler. And the the stuff he did a few years ago when he beat Randy Orton, I think, and Dave Bautista, um, that, that, that really made me happy as a fan who, you know, I, I would go watch Brian Danielson wrestle in front of 50 people at an armory or whatever so to see him go from that to you know wrestlemania now to see him come back this year it's really cool um i, I know it's super nerdy for for most of the people listening but yeah the, those those ones are probably my favorite well for me look you need a break from what we do yep. and for me and look and it's funny for a guy who lives with his wife and two daughters but they're into it 
And it's something where we can all just kind of sit down. Everybody shuts up. There's no arguing. <laughs> there's no bickering. We laugh about it. My wife, you know, my mother-in-law was here the one time. She was watching her daughter scream and yell at the TV. And she looked at me. I was like, well, you probably shouldn't be here right now because this is how she normally is. But I'll go back to WrestleMania three. It was, let's see, 1987, right around my 13th birthday. It was the first time we ever got pay-per-view. Randy Macho Man Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, George the Animal Steel at ringside, Miss Elizabeth. It had been a long feud. Fantastic, fantastic match. Everyone will talk about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Look, it was, <laughs> that, that wasn't the match. The match was Steamboat and the match was, you know, versus Savage. Ricky Steamboat walked out with the IC title. And for me, though, it's... Now, the Dudley boys, going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, the Dudley boys were bouncers at my college bar. <laughs> Bubba, Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, I spent so much time with back in the day. And just to see, you know, like what they went on to, because, you know, they were ECW at the time, and these guys were literally killing themselves for no money to get a shot at something real. And you know, it eventually worked out. Uh, you know, they they took you know they took they made a name for themselves to get watch these guys get into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I actually messaged him when it first came out, and he's like, he's like, bro, he's like, I'll be honest with you, I thought I was gonna be broke. He's like, I didn't even think I was gonna be able to get to work back at the bar. Like they wouldn't even take me back. That's how bad things were. But you know, look, and you know, look, anybody wants to kid on it. And oh well, it's scripted. It's fake. Stop, guys. These these guys walk out with neck injuries and back injuries and can't do it anymore for a reason. Uh, it's just a fun break, though. You need something to escape from the monotony of what we all do here, you know, football wise. Uh, Dan, uh, look, you know, twenty days to go. You know, I know you guys have the you know the, between the, uh, the the team sites, you guys have the big mock draft over at uh, SB Nation. What else can everybody uh, be looking for from you work wise here in the next twenty days or so? Well, I think I might finally put out my player rankings which i've been really lazy about this year so those will hopefully be coming next week um i I know we have a bunch of stuff coming we have a really great team right now uh, over at sb nation we have jeff schwartz and steve white two former nfl players who Uh do a really great job of of producing football content if you ever want to tell steve to unblock me on twitter that'd be great i have no idea why (laughs) i i'll try to do that he, but, no, um, there was something once about him, you know, it actually, I, I, it was the weirdest, you know, because I, you know, people block for a weird reason. Yeah. And it was something about him being on the Jets. And the only thing I said is, man, I don't remember him being on the Jets. Next thing I know, I was gone. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jeff Schwartz, fantastic. As long as he gets away from the green, ba- gr- uh, big green egg and goes to more like a Weber style. But, you know, Jeff Schwartz, <laughs> Jeff Schwartz is a fun follow. Yeah. yeah. And we have some other guys who just do really great work. So all their stuff's going to be up over at SBNation.com slash NFL and you know, I do draft grades every year so those will be coming even though people hate them they're, they're fun um, and some other stuff too maybe I'll maybe I'll turn this Browns mock draft into a full blown post and get paid for it so how about that well, I, I, look at it you only got a few <laughs> picks left to make I mean you already did five right. of it you only got four more so I mean now you know that's day three delights uh, guys we're going to put a bow on this here but I want to thank uh, Dan Kadar so much Guys, follow Dan at Mocking the Draft. Check out everything at SB Nation. Uh, I believe there's two picks into this point. Sam Darnold at one with the SB Nation mock draft to the Cleveland Browns. Bradley Chubb, two to the New York Giants. It'll be interesting. Uh, i got to be honest, guys. I, I believe to a man, and Dan might agree, nobody has any idea what the New York Giants plans are right now, Dan, right? 
That's exactly right, and I'll tell you what else about this mock draft that we're doing. Our Seahawks website, Field Goals, they have a pretty crazy pick coming up at 18. That, that'll be either next week or the week after, but it, it, I think it'll floor some people. So it's, it's always interesting to get you know, the differing views and, and perspectives on, on doing this exercise. Yeah, awesome. And actually, once I kill the recording, I think I might know who that be, so we'll go. But uh, guys, go ahead, follow the show at Lockdown Browns. Guys, like I said, I keep it a follow-back account. You guys have been fantastic as far as you know, helping me out, people you want to hear, providing guests, adding guests. You know, guys, like I said, Mark Sessler came on the show. That was done by a listener. That's who put that together. So I appreciate everything you guys do that way. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, I'm trying to do a show a day, if not more here. I want to get you as much draft ready as we need to be. Uh, but until tomorrow, guys, let's go Browns.